You are to be commended for your interest in what we do here on Sunday evenings, and I trust that that interest will result in our concentration on Scripture and then our application of the same in our lives. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 11 in just a moment. Ephesians 2 and verse 11. We should make a good effort now to put other things out of our minds and focus on God's Word. It is time spent never regretted when you read and study the Word of God. Ephesians 2 and verse 11. This is the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus concerning what they needed to remember that would contribute to their gratitude and to their unity together as members of the Lord's church. Ephesians 2.11 Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through Him we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Right at the beginning of our reading in Ephesians 2.11, I'd like to recommend that you mark one word. It's one of the most important words in the Bible. Remember. The Bible says that one of our problems is memory, a failure to keep in mind what is most important. Now, this is not ordinary memory problems where you don't remember where you put something or you don't remember someone's name immediately. No, this is different. This is the slow but steady loss of how much God should mean to us. We just let the highest priorities 
gradually drift from our awareness and we forget. And that's to our peril. Consider, for example, how thankful we ought to be that Jesus died for us and how that should never depart from our consciousness. To let that truth and all that goes with it slip away to forget the rich meaning of life lived with God through Christ. You see how important that little word is? Remember. So as we make our way through Scripture, we should pause when we encounter this word remember and make certain there is no loss of the priorities we committed to when we obeyed the gospel. Now, to this context in Ephesians 2. We know that during the apostolic age, the time of the apostles of Christ, people were considered to be either Jewish or Gentile. Either you descended from Abraham and David and your ancestors were citizens of the nation of Israel, or you were not so situated, and if you were not so situated in your bloodline, you were a Gentile. Remember, the gospel was first delivered to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. The gospel, therefore, went out to all. And so, in the time of the apostles, there were many local churches populated by both races. The Jewish race and the Gentile race. They were now united to God by the blood of Christ. All that said, all Christians, Jews or Gentiles, needed to remember where they were before being converted. I mean, what their lives looked like before they were baptized. It would be a good memory device. That's going to be our focus. It would be a good memory device for both Jews and Gentiles to pause and remember what their lives looked like before they were baptized into the one body of Christ, where they were now together. So here, Paul is addressing Christians of Gentile background, sometimes called the uncircumcised. And they are called upon to remember what their former condition was. Now we arrive here at the principle of the passage. We arrive here at the main idea, and that is to fully appreciate and keep what you now have, you need to remember what you didn't have before when you were living in sin. Let me say that again. To fully appreciate and keep what you have now in Christ, you need to remember what you didn't have before when you were living in sin. Appreciation of present blessings requires that we remember when we didn't have these blessings. That's going to be the main point I work with. And that principle may operate in other areas of life. When you were sick. And then you get well. And you feel better. Remembering how bad it was in your illness fosters appreciation for good health. Right? Perhaps there was a time in your life when you had nothing or you had very little of this world's goods. 
hard work, good fortune, and providence brought you to a much better place today. And so today, when you remember how bad it was then, it helps you appreciate what you have now. Personally, when I put this principle into practice in the non-spiritual realm, I remember some of the cars I drove in our earlier days of marriage. And it really helps me appreciate the vehicle I now have. Paul and I remember in Ozark, Arkansas, when I was in college and my first year of preaching, literally we lived in a little shack in rural Ozark, Arkansas. And I'm telling you the truth, she'll verify it. Mushrooms were growing up through the kitchen floor and they were not edible. So we really like where we are now. See, this is a very common and simple thing. It helps you appreciate what you have now when you remember when you didn't have it. Now go back to our text in Ephesians 2 and listen again to these opening verses in the passage. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, you Gentiles, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I believe this ought to find application with us today. Who were never a part of the old covenant, who were not in that nation of Abraham's people, but in our obedience to the gospel through Christ, we are now children of God. We are part of God's spiritual family or nation, citizens of God's eternal kingdom. However, before we obeyed the gospel, where were we? What was our condition? Without Christ. Separated from Christ. I'll tell you, one of the effects when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the conclusion that you need Christ in your life. You need Him who is described in those first four books. You realize as you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, your life is not complete and your heart is not right and your direction in life is not settled without Christ. Before putting yourself in Christ through baptism, you were without Him. And in that tragedy, in that eternal loss, there is a seed for good memory now that you don't live that way anymore. You are not a sheep without a shepherd anymore. You're not a child without a parent. You're not a follower without a good master. Without Christ. Remembering what we looked like and what our condition was before we became Christians. Before we obeyed the gospel, we were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. That applies particularly to the Gentiles of the first century. 
in ancient times to be without national identity was considered heartbreaking. It was a condition of exclusion to have no national identity. Like many books and movies that have used the title of man without a country. Before obeying the gospel, we had no place. We had no identity in God's nation. We were alienated from God. We were, before conversion, strangers from or to the covenants of promise. That was a particular disconnect that the Gentiles thought about in the apostolic age. God gave the law of Moses not to the Gentiles, but to the Jewish nation under Moses. The Gentiles were excluded from that covenant, though they were still under God's general moral law. So without Christ, aliens and strangers, Paul is saying, remember where you were back then. And then he says, before you were baptized, whether you realized it or not, you were without hope. There are many non-Christians who just hold to some sort of vague hope that doesn't have any pinning to it. It's not connected to anything. They just think everything will somehow work out and automatically it'll all be right in the end I'll go to heaven. That kind of vague hope has no basis. There's nothing to hold it up. When, however, we live by the activity of faith in Christ, Hebrews 11 says, faith gives substance to what we hope for. <clears throat> Before the gospel, we didn't have that. Before obeying the gospel, without God in the world. That doesn't mean the Gentiles were all atheists. And it doesn't imply that we were atheists before baptism. But here's the deal. You can believe there is a God, but not have Him in your life. All of us know people like that. They believe there is a God, but He's not in their lives. That's what this is about. Not having a relationship with God the Creator. Some of the really disturbing statements of Scripture are statements telling people that God is not in their lives. I remember 2 John 9. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. That should strike terror in the heart. To know you were made by God, to know there is a God, and you'll stand before God in judgment someday, but He's not in your life now. So this text in Ephesians 2 is about remembering when we were not Christians. First, as it was applied to Gentiles in Ephesus, and as we now appreciate what we have in Christ. See, here's two words so important in this text, found in verse 13, those words, but now. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, as it applied to Gentiles, and as is applied to all sinners, 
You were far off. You were away from God. You've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now, let's stop and think about that a moment. Think of distance and nearness. Sin creates distance. Every sin I commit takes me one step away from God. Sin creates distance. What the sinner needs is some way to be brought near out of sin, something to cross that distance that sin created. Did you hear that play on words? Something to cross that distance that sin has created. It is the cross. The way God provides for us to be brought near to Him is the blood of Christ. God in His grace provides a way, a solution, so that based on the death of Christ, sinners can, if they want to, receive this greatest of all benefits, being taken out of sin and brought near to God, brought into fellowship with God, to live apart from God, to live a life that is distant from God, carries a present consequence and a future consequence that can be overcome because Jesus gave His life for us. Gentiles who had made the choice to come out of sin and who obeyed the gospel needed to remember where they had been before and what they had now, but now in Christ. And the takeaway for us is don't forget what God did to make it possible for us to get out of sin, enter into fellowship with Him by obeying the gospel and be His people. Now, let's just follow through because that's what Paul does. He has a follow through that starts at verse 14. For He Himself is our peace. Remember, we were talking about being alienated from God when we were living in sin. But He Himself is our peace. Now, as it applied to both Jews and Gentiles who obeyed the gospel, the next phrase, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both, Jew and Gentile, to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, two very important words transitioning here. Verse 19, so then you Gentiles who've obeyed the gospel are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God, by the Spirit. Now, this is not unrelated to what we've studied. It is the necessary follow-through. Living in sin, whether Jew or Gentile, there's conflict with God. Alienated, you're distant from God. 
The opposite of peace is conflict. And when we live in sin, we create conflict with God. There's no deep academic theology to bring on stage here. Sin brings us in conflict with God. What we need is peace. Christ is the peace we need. To say the name Christ is to say peace with God is possible. Jew or Gentile. It is not that he is the bringer of peace, though that is true, but it's stronger. Paul says he is our peace. And Paul illustrates that by speaking of the unifying effect enjoyed by Jews and Gentiles in Christ. Jews obey the gospel. Gentiles obey the gospel. Both made one, taking down previous separations. When Jews obey the gospel and Gentiles obey the gospel, first, there is peace with God. As a product of that relationship, there is peace with each other. Once you connect with God through Jesus Christ, you become connected with all others who've made that choice. However different you may have been before, racially, ethnically, and nationally. There was, as I mentioned before, the law of Moses that kept Jews and Gentiles separate. Christ abolished that wall, thus making peace for all who accept Him, however divided they may have been before. That's the message. And it keys off of this idea of remembering where you were before you obeyed the gospel and where you are now compared to that. I have four observations for us to take with us. Remember where your life was before you became a Christian. Now, don't dwell on that to the point of resuming guilt and taking yourself into depression. Oh, you wouldn't believe what I did before I obeyed the gospel. Paul's point here is not about regret. His point is, remember enough of that to generate healthy gratitude motivation today. Got it? Remember enough of that condition before you obeyed the gospel. Remember enough of that to generate gratitude and motivation today about what you have now that you didn't have before you were baptized. You don't want to go backward. You want to go forward. Part of going forward is remembering what you have now that you didn't have before. And connect all that with the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ enables us to be cleansed and brought into fellowship with God. The Lord's Supper serves this purpose. It is a weekly reminder of what He did to get us out of what we did. The price that He paid to rescue us out of sin we chose. The price that He paid to bring us into relationship with God from that distance that sin created. In all of our Bible reading and study, in our worship and meditation, in our baptism and subsequent discipleship, the blood of Christ made it all possible. We cannot let that slip away. I said to us not long ago, no matter what your assets are here, 
your earthly repetition, uh, rep, reputation, or your resume of good works, the currency that has value in heaven is the blood of Christ. You need to be washed in that blood through baptism and keep your life under that cleansing. Number three, remember that God is never to be blamed for our divisions or the hypocrisy that we observe. If we are fractured and disconnected like many Jews and Gentiles were, if we find ourselves in conflict and hostility toward each other, God is not to be blamed. Our text says that Christ died and He is our peace. We find peace in Him. And remember that this message we have reviewed tonight is to be delivered. So verse 17 is the evangelism statement. He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Peace on earth, the angels said when Jesus was born. That isn't political peace, though it could include it if everybody embraced the peace of the cross. It is fundamentally peace with God through Jesus Christ. And we ought to be motivated to spread that message to our neighbors and friends. The good news is what we ought to be reporting, remembering who we were before and who we are now and hoping that others will find that. I'm going to read a portion of our text as I conclude. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Shouldn't you need to respond to the cross and the gospel? We invite that response as we stand to sing.